Pastor Henry Harder, the Renewal Singers, and I, Ed Peters, welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We return today to Acts chapter 7 and to Stephen's address to the Sanhedrin. Beginning with Abraham, Stephen traces the resistance and rebellion of the nation against God. After speaking of the faith of Abraham to follow and believe God, he shows how God used Joseph, hated by his brothers and sold into Egypt, to deliver the nation from famine. Now we come to verses 20 through 34 and to his next example, Moses. Here's what Luke writes. About that time Moses was born, a child of divine beauty. His parents hid him at home for three months, and when at last they could no longer keep him hidden and had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter found him and adopted him as her own son, and taught him all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he became a mighty prince and orator. One day, as he was nearing his fortieth birthday, it came into his mind to visit his brothers, the people of Israel. During this visit, he saw an Egyptian mistreating a man of Israel. So Moses killed the Egyptian. Moses supposed his brothers would realize that God had sent him to help them, but they didn't. The next day, as he visited them again, and he saw two men of Israel fighting, he tried to be a peacemaker. Gentlemen, he said, you are brothers and shouldn't be fighting like this. It is wrong. But the man in the wrong told Moses to mind his own business. Who made you a ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this, Moses fled the country and lived in the land of Midian where his two sons were born. Forty years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush. Moses saw it and wondered what it was, and as he ran to see, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and dared not look. And the Lord said to him, Take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. I have seen the anguish of my people in Egypt and have heard their cries. I have come down to deliver them. Come, I will send you to Egypt. Our life on earth will soon be over. We shall cross the ocean wide. For us our Lord's prepared a mansion over on the other side. While here we'll trust his word and do the work that he has for us planned. Then we shall sing in heaven's choir way over in the glory land. That'll be, that a, happy be a happy time when with when Christ we, we sail, away sail away to the promised, to paradise, the promised paradise. Where forever we shall stay. Saints redeemed shall meet to part no more. The pearly 
pearly gates are open wide, inviting us to join that band. Then we shall sing in heaven's choir way over in the glory land. That'll be, That a, happy be a happy time when with Christ when we, sail, we away sail away to the promised, the paradise, promised paradise where forever we shall stay. We shall see we the friends of old, friends of old united, united in one band. And the praise of Jesus we shall sing way over in the glory, over in the glory land. Over in the glory When Moses went out among his brothers and saw their situation, he wanted to deliver them. But at that time, he wasn't prepared for the task, and the people weren't prepared for him either. They wouldn't accept his leadership. They resisted him. But after an additional 40 years of training out in the desert, he was finally ready for the task, and the people were ready. Then God called him to be their deliverer. Now here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. Moses was a great man. Stephen, one of the early disciples of Christ, in his long talk before the Sanhedrin, had much to say about Moses. The Sanhedrin must have been pleased about that. Until Stephen came to verse 37 of Acts chapter 7. He's quoting Moses when Moses said to Israel these words, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him. No doubt the Sanhedrin knew that Stephen was suggesting that Jesus was the fulfillment of that statement, and they hadn't listened to him. In fact, they had silenced him. The Jews of the first century believed that Moses predicted the Messiah Redeemer. The Messiah Redeemer was pictured by Moses Redeemer. Moses said he'll be like me. Listen to him. I'll come back to that verse in a day or two. So, in effect, Stephen is saying that this Jesus is the Messiah Redeemer. Now, in discussing Moses, the point Stephen wants this Sanhedrin not to miss is the fact that Israel actually rejected him. He was sent to be their deliverer and their ruler, and they turned him down. Luke makes a strong point of this. He writes, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. His attempts on their behalf were not appreciated, to put it mildly. Stephen says this is the same Moses whom they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? When Moses saw two Israelites mistreating each other, he stepped in to mediate, and they pushed him aside with the words, Who made you ruler and judge over us? This Moses' rejection theme is prominent in Stephen's speech. But what did this mean to the Sanhedrin? What was Stephen trying to say? At the end of his speech, he came out clearly. He said, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. Stephen was saying, You rejected the first Redeemer then, and you rejected the second Redeemer now. You rejected Moses, and you rejected Jesus, whom Moses himself predicted. A greater than Moses had come, and he too was turned down. 
Just reading this part of Stephen's speech, it's hard to miss the fact that Stephen is comparing Moses and Jesus, although he doesn't mention Jesus by name. Moses performed signs and wonders to convince the people that this was of God, as did Jesus. Moses led his people out of Egyptian bondage to the land of promise, as Jesus had offered to do spiritually. In fact, Stephen uses the same terminology to describe Moses as was used by the gospel writers to describe Jesus. God had sent a redeemer, and Israel turned him down. They refused to see the parallel. So that rejection theme is prominent in Stephen's speech. Little wonder they wanted to kill him. Another point. The witnesses had accused Stephen of speaking against the temple. The temple was a sacred place to these Jews. It had innate sanctity, they thought. God was localized there. Stephen talks about that. He emphasizes the fact that God appeared outside the land of Palestine too, not just in the land. He appeared to Moses in the backside of the desert out in the wilderness. He had appeared to Abram in the Tigris-Euphrates Valley. God isn't limited to Israel, to Jerusalem, or to the temple. God can't be localized. He is not limited to one place or one people. No one place or one people have a sole claim on him. The Lord God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Take off your sandals. The place where you are standing is holy ground. There was actually holy ground outside of the land of Israel. Stephen was saying that no material place on earth has innate sanctity of its own. Wherever God meets with his people is holy ground. William Cowper's song expresses it well. He wrote, Where'er thy people meet, there they behold thy mercy seat. Where'er they seek thee, thou art found, and every place is hallowed ground. In fact, God had said many centuries ago to Moses, in every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. God had come in Jesus, and wherever people meet Jesus is hallowed because God is there. Worship would be universalized. I'll close with that and continue tomorrow with one further point. You can meet the Lord anywhere. You can meet him in church, of course. But you can meet him in your home, at school, at the office, or out in the field. God is not spatial. The Sanhedrin didn't want God released to the world. They wanted a corner on God. Stephen says that's not the way it is. God is also in Mesopotamia, in Arabia, and in Sinai. He is there. There is something very beautiful about that. God is here. Call on him. Whether you feel him or not doesn't alter the fact. God is there with you. The Jews wanted to keep God locked up in the temple, but God had come in Jesus, and wherever he now meets with his people is holy ground. Walking on the water, walking on the raging sea, Sweet Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? Walking on the water, walking on the raging sea. 
Sweet Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? Lord, there never was a soul who needed you like I need you today. But my strength is gone and my heart is sore. Won't you meet me just half of the way? Walking on the water, walking on the raging sea. Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? Can't you see I'm using every bit of my strength and weakness just to stand? Won't you walk on out a little farther, please, Jesus, and take me by the hand? Walking on the water, walking on the raging sea. Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? Lord, I've seen you touching lives all around me, and I know you can see me through. But won't you please come to me, cause I haven't anybody to carry me to you. Walking on the water, walking on the raging sea. Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? Walking on the water, walking on the raging sea. Sweet Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? Walking on the water, walking on the raging sea. Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? Sweet Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? Sweet Jesus, while you're walking on the water, won't you walk on out to me? What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.